Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, an affiliate of Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I am Tyler, your podcast host. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. The podcast can be found at Trilogy underscore pod, and my writing can be found at Reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. So in case you did not catch that, there were some changes in my opening lines there. A lot of it having to deal with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I am now a contributor for them doing some writing. They will be handling some podcast promotion stuff here. They came up with this new podcast logo, so make sure you check that out. It looks new and pretty awesome here. So some exciting changes happening here. I think all for the better here. And what it's all about is reaching more Brewer fans, interacting more, and getting to talk with all of you. So that is the big personal reason why all of that came about. And I think it's going to be really fun especially with the season right around the corner and in reaching a larger fan base. I'm definitely looking forward to that. And again, like I said, all the interactions, because that's what keeps me doing podcasting and writing is exactly that. So today on the podcast, we're going to catch up on some Brewers current events, and then we're going to get to a special interview with a contributor for Puckett's Pond, which is a fan-sided account for the Minnesota Twins. We'll be previewing opening day and getting more familiar with our opponent come April 1st. Before we get to that, like I said, we're going to catch up on some current events. And unfortunately, we're going to start with the injury bug. The biggest news over the weekend was that right-handed pitcher Justin Topa is now on the IL with an elbow injury. As a two-time Tommy John surgery recovery in what 2011 and 2015 an injury to the throwing elbow that is not good news for Justin Topa I did not see how long he's been placed in the IL for but he will join one of many brewers on the injured list to begin the year there's Bobby Wall with an oblique injury Derek Fisher was just added with the hamstring Jacob Nottingham with the thumb and then as we know from a while ago it was Matthias and Lopes on the IL as well But obviously this Justin Topa one strikes home with the bullpen quite a bit because he was one of these players where we saw lots of flashes of Justin Topa last year with that sweeping slider, mid-90s fastball, and you could see just potential in his arm where he could develop into a high-leverage type of pitcher in the Brewers' bullpen, which is already good. Now, he did have some struggles this spring training. Was that related to the elbow or not? Who really knows? I'm, I'm not much to say, but he was not performing well. I think that certainly explains a little bit of it. 
But the reality is now we are going to have to wait even longer to get an extended look at Justin Topa in the major leagues for he just made his debut with the Brewers last September. He only pitched seven innings last year. And like I said, kind of impressed. He was a dark horse for a lot of fans to be like a breakout player of the year. And unfortunately, that is going to be put on delay here at least to start. Hopefully he's able to rehab and get back with the team here in no time. But it certainly is going to be an uphill battle when you're join or starting the year on the IL. You were weren't guaranteed a roster spot, and then you have to try and earn it back uh, the hard way, really. So a long road ahead here for Justin Topa. Otherwise, current events-wise, the Brewers re-signed Jordan Zimmerman and Brad Boxberger, so a pair of right-handed pitchers. They were both non-roster invitees throughout spring training, and both were not pitching well whatsoever. So you're thinking, okay, it makes sense that they didn't keep them, but why'd they bring them back? So I think they brought them back because they both provide value in the minor league organization. Jordan Zimmerman is a right-handed starter, veteran. He, If you keep him stretched out, which he most likely will because the Brewers minor league affiliate missions at the AAA level is just decimated with injuries at the starting pitcher position. So Jordan Zimmerman should get some starts there, or he'll be on the taxi squad, one of the two, and should remain stretched out for should an emergency arise with the Brewers at the major league level where they would need a starting pitcher to fill in for a spot start or two, then they have that option in Jordan Zimmerman. They also have that option in Zach Godley. They made that signing about a week ago now. And then really kind of the same value with Brad Boxberger, except he would be in the bullpen. He's always been that just steady arm. As you know, we've talked about this a lot of times. He has great closing experience, 77 career saves. He's never been like a shutdown reliever, but he's never had like really bad blow-up seasons. Maybe the last couple years, but throughout the majority of his career, he's been pretty consistent. His pitch style has been pretty consistent as well. He's a low 90s fastball guy and relies on some movement to throw hitters off. So definitely going to provide some depth there if the Brewers were need to call him up. And I thought he was going to make the roster in case you did not listen to my podcast. Uh, the last one where we were predicting opening day with Francisco Castro of Brewers Brawl, I thought Boxberger was going to make it, but unfortunately I was wrong in that regard. And then the last bit of big news here is that Dan Vogelbach is officially making making the opening day roster. So there's a lot of people who I think are actually mad about this. And I had kind of gone back and forth all offseason. Like, I like Dan Vogelbach. He's a great guy. He screams all things Milwaukee. He obviously is not going to be able to keep up what he did with the crew in like that month stretch last year where he was hitting to the opposite field, hitting for a higher average, and like uh, Craig Council said, providing lightning. They found lightning in a bottle when they signed him. He's not going to keep all that up. We know that. Throughout his career, he's closer to a 200 hitter average. He has lots of pop can draw walks, but yeah, the strikeouts are a concern. And just, you know, when you're not hitting for a high average, you're even though you're drawing a lot of walks, your on-base percentage is still going to be rather low. But Craig Council said that they plan on using him in big situations, so thinking pinch hitter late in games. And I mean, really, that's the only position that is left for him. It's the only role available. Kesson Hira 
has a better bat and is going to get all the opportunities at first base unless he proves to be terrible. But Dan Vogelbach on the defensive side is <laughs> not good. So you're more likely to put in a McKinney or a Travis Shaw to come in at first base rather than Dan Vogelbach. So he has to excel at this role. Pinch hitter. He's going to come up in clutch situations. Is he going to succeed all the time? No, nobody ever does. This is baseball. But man, I would just love to see him early on in the season get a go-ahead hit, whether it's a homer or a walk or single, whatever, a go-ahead something in a big situation. That would boost his confidence. I think that would boost fan confidence in him as well. Because otherwise, if he proves to be you know, one of those hitters who just can't hit as a pinch hitter because if you're not playing all game and you're not in the rhythm, whatever it may be, they're going to let him go. He has no options. They would have to designate him for assignment. I'm still fairly certain that someone would pick him up and give him a first base job at the MLB level. He would not clear waivers like Boxberger surprisingly did. So... He has to excel at being pitch hitter. He's going to have to come up in clutch situations. And I'm excited to see what he can do because obviously in the batter's box, he is a power threat. So you're going to have to pitch to him. And he's been a really patient hitter. So hopefully he gets a little bit more aggressive in these pinch hitter spots and is able to deliver and provide that lightning in a bottle. There it was. Drew it full circle. So that is it for Brewers and Current Events. I am now going to switch over to my interview with Greg of Puckett's Pond to where we discuss opening day and the Minnesota Twins. All right, and joining the podcast today, I have Greg, a contributor at Puckett's Pond for the Minnesota Twins, here to give us an insight on the Twins because even though we just saw them last year in the American League Central, and we see him pretty much every year. He sees the team play each and every day. He is a loyal fan like that. So we're going to get some insight from the enemy if you take it. So, Greg, thank you for joining us here today. And before I go any further, I am really curious, do you know what the background is on Puckett's Pond and how that relates to the Twins? Because I have no idea. Um, I, I don't have an entire background because it, it was there way before me, but I, I, I'm assuming it's a fan-sided site. So I, I'm assuming that it uh, is off of Kirby Puckett in memory of Kirby Puckett. So uh, I think that's the link. Uh, they were looking for a hook at the time, is as much as I know. So it's been around several years. Um, I've been writing for them for a year, but that's what I ascertained, and, and that's what I'm guessing happened. So I think that's the origin. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a good background then. I was yeah. looking for like a, a Bomba Squad Twitter handle or something like that. No, not, <laughs> not the current. Like it goes back to Kirby. <laughs> Fair enough. So let's go back to these last couple years in the Twins. You guys have won the division the last two years in a row, you know, granted shortened season and relatively earlier exits in the postseason. Right. So what are your... Or, like, how do the Twins approach this offseason, given what's happened the last two years? Give me your kind of highlights from this past offseason. Yeah, I would say pitching is always a question. So couldn't come to terms with Arterizzi, uh, so he left. So really feeling the four and five spots, whether with prospects or people they brought in. Always relief pitchers. We lost Trevor May. We lost Sergio Romo. We lost Tyler Clifford. And we lost Matt, lost Matt Whistler. So. Uh, there was filling in to do there. And 
improving infield defense. Uh, you know, frankly, we haven't been uh, a great fielding team in the infield. They obviously have Buxton and Kepler in the outfield and do a really fine job. So, Andrew Andleton, uh Simmons was brought in from the Dodgers. We all know him from Atlanta Braves days. He's an elite fielding shortstop, uh, decent hitter. And so I and, and that will move Jorge Polanco over to second base. And it, I, it's a position he's played in the minors, but he is also uh, suits his arm better. He's not he doesn't really have the arm for a shortstop. So I think he'll do very well over there. We added free agent pitcher, uh, pitchers, uh, Jay Happ and Matt Shoemaker uh, to be our fourth and fifth. And Shoemaker just got laced his first spring training game, but then pitched uh, a game on the back lot. Uh, to the B squad and apparently did pretty well. So hopefully they're in line. Uh, we brought in Hansel Robles from uh, California to be a middle reliever. Got absolutely killed last year, but I uh, had a couple of really good years before that. And uh, Colombo came in from the White Sox. And I, I think kind of closer by committee now with Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy, I think Colombo's going to end up being that closer by the time all is said and done. Uh, Taylor Rogers is a much better, much better uh, setup guy. Uh, so I think that may be a, a prediction for down the line. So I think uh, infield defense, uh, relief pitching, back end starters. I think that's what we wanted to bring in, and and, and that's exactly what we brought in. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because obviously the Brewers strengthened their infield defense with adding Colton Wong and a and a Gold yes. Glover too. So. Twins looking to do a little bit the same. I, yep. I think that's kind of cool that, you know, teams are still putting a preference on that rather than just, you know, the offensive output. So Right, right, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we have good hitting. Uh, and we took a little dip last year, but, we, you know, obviously we have a good hitting team that can score runs. So, but defense, infield defense, definitely a weakness. So, uh, shoring that up. Yeah, what did you? What were your thoughts, I guess, on losing Orderizzi? Because obviously, as Brewer fans, we have like some deep down invested stock in him because he was our first round draft pick in 2008. Never ended up pitching for us, but when we saw he was hitting the market, everyone's like, "Oh, let's go get him!" But his price tag was just so yeah. high. So, yeah. how did that shake out with the Twins? Um, I think you know, I, I, I liked what he did. Uh, you know, in 19, he had a, just a phenomenal year, All Star year. Uh, had some injuries last year. Uh, a guy I would have liked to have seen uh, resign, but not for the money. Uh, it really came just down to a money thing with Ordonezzi, and you know we have players making you know good salaries. They had to pay Cruz. They had to bring in a couple of relievers. You're paying Buxton. You're paying Sano. So I mean, there's there's only so much money to go around. So I think if we could have brought brought back Ordonezzi at the right price, I, he would have been a great fourth or third starter, obviously. But um, I. Writing was kind of on the wall, as it was with uh, Eddie, Eddie Rosario, too. It's kind of on the wall salary-wise. So, uh, And I personally loved Eddie. But. Yeah, that's right. He has also lost Marwin Gonzalez in the offseason, too, correct? Yeah. Yeah, he went to Boston. And, you know, very valuable guy for played just about everywhere. I would say his hitting fell off last year. Getting to be an older ball player in, you know, 33, something like that. And, but, I mean... He got so many at bats. He got his 500 at bats every year because with injuries and just filling in for folks. Um, and he really saved us beginning part of last year, uh, just with Snow going down and some other people going, Donaldson going down. I have good memories of the guy, I, I, but I think it was time for him to move on and get another opportunity. Hopefully, he helped the loss. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, he signed for like $3 million, I think, for the Red yeah. Sox, which floored yeah. my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there any like question in your mind, like, is this team ever going to stop hitting home runs? Because he lost some good offensive players. Obviously, he still retained a bunch, and you're bringing yeah. back like Nelson Cruz and Donaldson yeah. still there. But yeah. are we going to see them lead the league in home runs again this year, you think? You know, I think they'll be right up there. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, with Donaldson, you got the, uh, obviously Nelson Cruz, uh, Sano, hopefully Kepler comes back. I think Buxton will hit if he's healthy within the 20 home runs. Uh, Polanco in the teens. Uh, Mitch Garver might have a comeback. So, you know, we've got the pieces in place for people to hit those home runs. Uh, so I don't think uh, overall we'll have a shortage. And whoever plays left field, and that's obviously another thing to talk about. But uh, I think the home runs will be there. I, I'm hoping the, the timely hitting will be there. Um, you know, we kind of stopped hitting in the playoffs last year, unfortunately. And so it wasn't just a pitching thing. Some of the games were actually pitched pretty well. But uh, really clutch hitting, uh, being able to do it down the stretch and, and, and in big ball games. Um, I think you'll see this team continue to hit. I think you'll see them uh, challenging for the home run title again. You know, ho- hopefully, obviously, our goal is further in the playoffs. It, it's to win central, but we'll further in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, that's that's interesting they brought that up because if I remember correctly, 2019, the biggest kind of fault of the team was the starting pitching. And then 2020, right. you guys went and brought in a bunch of different guys. Right. And obviously, like Rich Hill left now. And right. I don't remember who else you all signed. Over Bailey and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's the uh, what's the deal with Randy Dobnek? Because he didn't he break out in 2019 and then had a, a rough 2020. Or what's yeah. the deal going on with him? Uh, he started okay in 2020 and then he got hit. He's, he's actually an interesting case because I don't think they quite know what they're going to do with him yet. Depending on how uh, Jay Happ started the year with uh, COVID 19, so he's getting a slow start. Dobnek's a, a potential fifth starter. Uh, they've talked about having six starters uh, play the National League right away, you guys, and then we play, I think I think we have 17 games in 19 days. So it could be that some of these teams go to six-man rotations. So Dotnick's a candidate for that. He's also a candidate for long relief. He, I, I saw today he had the three scoreless innings at this point. He's also come up with a new uh, slider, which apparently is really aiding him. Uh, and he's a good, reliable pitcher. He's I don't think he's a starter because I think when you see his, his stuff enough times, I think you can hit it as you go through the rotation. But as a spot starter, uh, long reliever, I think the guy, I think the guy is just invaluable and could be a great pitcher for us, and has been at times. Yeah, I mean, now's the time for people to test out new pitches. So hopefully, yep. he's, he's throwing a lot in spring training because. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah. I like the guy. I like his mustache. It's it's really yeah. intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly yeah. as the most interesting one, I think, in the MLB. <laughs> yeah, he's a, yeah, he's and he's kind of a blue collar guy, you know. I mean, there's a lot to like about Randy Rabinett. So. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, I guess given all this off season addition subtractions going on, what are your expectations for the Twins heading into this season? Well, so it's it's interesting for Buckets Pond. I suggested that we write. Uh, trilogy of articles so one was on the twins improving uh one was on the twins regressing and one was on the twins staying about the same i got awarded the staying the same which isn't necessarily (laughs) how i feel which is winning the division uh but not going far in the playoffs i really think that if we can get this consistent starting pitching and 
I think J-Hap will be fine. Shoemaker, I don't know. Uh, but we got Dobnik. Uh, we got Lewis Thorpe, who's one of our big prospects, has got a, just a rocket arm. And he's a possibility for a fifth starter, as Meltzer and a few other guys. Um, there's also Duran in the, uh, and Chalmers in the in, uh, minors. So they've got some possibilities if Schumacher, uh, you know, fades. But the thing that they have on a short series is Hedda Mejeda is, and he looks even better this year, experimenting with some new pitches. I mean, guy was second in the side. Yeah, he's, he's an ace. Uh, Barrios has been up and down, a good starter, a 15-win guy. But he changed the uh, uh, altitude of how he's throwing his ball. He's throwing his fastball up higher now. And so he's getting a big, better spin rate on it. So he's been lights out so far this spring also. Keep Pineda healthy. You know what you're going to get from Michael Pineda? You're going to get six or seven solid innings. Uh, so I think in a short series, again, they match up. Uh, I think they've done a pretty good job replacing their bullpen. Uh, again, hopefully, you know, the infield defense is better. Uh, Polanco's better than a rise at second. Simmons is obviously an improvement over everybody. And Donaldson's a heck of a fielder when he gets a chance. Uh, when he's in the lineup. So I, I think we've got it. I think, you know, the White Sox are an interesting team. And, and they did, and they made some nice additions. Uh, you know, they brought in Lance Lynn and Hendricks and, and a few other people. I see they lost Heminis today. They're uh, one of their star players. And that's a sort of pectoral muscle. He's out five to six months. Uh, so that's going to hurt him. But, you know, they've got Roberts and Anderson and Randall. And they've got some bats. And they got some, you know, they got Galito and, uh, so they got some pitching, uh, Keckle. So they're going to be a force. I think Cleveland will proceed. I think when you lose Lindor and uh, some of the other people they've lost, I mean, I think they'll be a good team. I, I don't know if they'll be a playoff team. I think it's between us and the White Sox, frankly. So, you know, we'll see, obviously, with injuries. But I think Cleveland can pitch very well. I just don't know if they can hit the ball well enough to, to stay in the race the whole time. But we'll see. Yeah, the American League Central is like the division I wanted to watch the most outside yeah. of the Benel Central last year, just because right. of all those teams. And then yeah. the Royals actually made a lot of surprising good moves this offseason, too. They I don't did. think it's enough to push them into contention, but definitely so, a step in the right direction for them. Yeah, I, I think they're doing what they did about 10 years ago as they're developing that young talent base again. And I, I think they're a team on the rise. Uh, they're in a tough division, but I think you'll see improvement out of them. Uh, you know, Detroit has a lot of young players, uh, just change managers. Uh, so I think they will grow also. But again, it's a tough division. So there's only so many wins to go around. So we'll see. But yeah, it'll be very competitive. this year. Yeah, well, from the National League side, I'm always rooting for you guys to make it farther in the postseason and knock off the Yankees or some of those bigger teams. So <laughs> you definitely have our back. <laughs> yeah, my wife's a Brewers fan, so I root for the Brewers over there. We always want to see the Twins Brewers play each other, so that's a good one. <laughs> True. So let's transition a little bit into the now. So we're obviously at the tail end of spring training here. Who is standing out to you in the Twins spring training site so far? Well, on the pitching side, you know, I can just say that uh, we've had really, really good performances out of Mejeda and out of uh, uh, Else. And that's, you know, that's obviously what you want is you want your frontline starter pitching well. Hitting wise, we've actually had some surprises. We've had a person who was picked up on waivers, Kyle Garlic, who is uh, leading the team in hitting right now uh, with four home runs. 
Uh, we also have a non-roster invitee, invitee in Keon Broxton, who had a cup of coffee with the Brewers last year, <laughs> who was hitting 320. I don't know if either one of them will make it, but they're sure making a splash. Uh, Josh, Josh Donaldson, his third home run this year, uh, today. Flynn's Ostadio, uh, our play-everything guy, uh, has had a good spring. So I, I think you're looking at uh, Polanco's rounding into shape. Buxton uh, had a three-run double today. So I think you've got people rounding into shape. The relievers have been doing well. The real question, I think, position-wise for the Twins is who plays left field, right? So Alex Kirilov, our, our first or second prospect, uh, got sent to the uh, to the training site. Uh, he just wasn't hitting, right? So he's a guy that will be back. I heard uh, Joe Manager talking yesterday saying it's such a small sample of at bats that he just probably needs more time, and they want to bring him back when he's fresh. So then you got Brent Rooker, another another rookie who debuted last year. Um, if he makes the team, he starts. They're not going to keep him and not start him. So uh, it's really him, Buxton in center, uh, Max Kepler in right, and then it's a probably Jake Cave because he's been around. He's not hitting this spring. Garlic could be an in- interesting uh, person out there. And also, Louis Arise is going to be the Marwin Gonzalez this year. So you'll see Louis Arise not starting left fielder, but you will see him out there. Um, so those are kind of the moving objects. I, I, I would say Rooker's been hitting. If he continues to hit, they'll give him a shot. And who knows long term, Kirloff could be back in a month, two months. He's that good a prospect. Um, and he debuted in the in the playoffs last year. One of the first guys ever not to play a major league uh, regular season game first before a playoff game. So he's a bright prospect. Uh, so that that'll be very interesting to see how that all plays. That's the position battle that's that's open right now, and that's the only one really that's open. Okay, gotcha. So obviously there's no DH this year in the National League. It's not universal. Right. Right. What do you think like that's going to look like when the Twins come to Milwaukee? Which one of their power bats is going to be forced to play the field, or who might be forced to sit out a couple games? What can we look forward in that? You know, the, it, here, the problem with Cruz is that he really hasn't played the field hardly at all. And I, I think in, in those series, they're going to have to be very creative, uh, whether they play him at first or he pinch hits. I, I think you're going to see his bat out of the lineup a little bit, which is unfortunate. Uh, but he's, you know, and he's 40. So mobility-wise, he hasn't played regular outfield probably, you know, what, seven years. So I think they'll try to get him in where they can. Maybe maybe they'll start him in a, in a place and make a defensive replacement. You know, really, if, if you're looking where you can put him, it, you know, it's kind of left field, first base, you know, pinch hit. I, I, I really think that's how they'll fit him in. They obviously want to get his bat in every game. They're going to have to be very creative about it. And uh, I think they were hoping that uh, both leagues would have to be age like last year and they could just sail through. So there'll be adjustments. Um, he just he would be a liability defensively anywhere else. And he's not going to be great at those positions. But, well, you can't, you know, you need that bat there somewhere. He's just too powerful. I always wondered, like, how the American League managers feel coming over to the National League. Like, do you try and double switch later in the game yeah. to, to get that bat in? It's like, it's so weird when you're an American League manager, you don't have to worry about that for most of the oh. time. So, oh, and, and I read that's another reason why they might actually move north with 14 pitchers, starting with you guys and then playing those 17 games in 19 days. You know, they might go with that the 12-man position players and, and, and the 14 pitchers. So you might see nine 
really basically nine relievers or eight relievers and another spot starter, depending on how you look at it. I, I tend to think that's what they're going to go north with. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they decide. Yeah, obviously that could all get uh, you know put aside if Kenta Maeda takes another no hitter into the ninth inning against exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> I heard he's he's been taking his chops too. You know he's old national leader, so I think he's uh, he's been taking his chops in the batting cage. So I think he wants I think he wants half the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it scares me even more when you're telling me that he's pitching really well in spring training, oh, wow. and I'm like, oh, I just got nightmares to last year. So, yeah, oh, gosh, <laughs> he, he is. He could be better than last year. It's hard to say that, but his control, he's unbelievable. Yeah, well, that should set up for a really good opening day matchup then. Maeda and Woodruff will be going yes. right at yes. it. And then uh, who would you say was number two? Berrios and then Burns Berrios. in game two. Yeah. So, And then maybe Pineda. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it, sh- it should be some good matchups. Uh, exciting. Uh, you guys are, are – I've been reading some uh, some of the predictions, and uh, a lot of people picking the, the uh, Brewers to win the Central. So uh, it should be a good opening matchup. Yeah, it's a good old border battle between two yeah. really good teams, hopefully. So. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely looking forward to it. But, yeah, I think that's about all I got for us today, Greg. I really appreciate you joining the show here today and providing your insights on the Twins. Before we get out of here, could you just uh, tell my listeners where to find you on Twitter and then remind us who you write for again? Sure. Uh, I, work, uh, I work for Puckett's Pond. Uh, that's that's the site I contribute to, uh, and Twitter handle is Simbeck, S-I-M-B-E-C-A. All right, perfect. Yeah, definitely worth the follow because this was a lot of fun, and we'll have to get together yeah. and, and do this again maybe when we have a, a World Series to preview. That'd be kind of fun. That'd be fun. fun. I should start up my own. I can have you over too, so it'd be great. <laughs> there we go. Well, thanks for joining again. Thanks, Warriors fans. Good luck. <laughs>